Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. With a whole bunch of academic archers, Saturday gang, and we are here in the Licky Hills by Vince Casey's mansion. And we've been to Inkborough today and various other places. And we're going to sing you a Dumpty Dum. Ready? This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here, Philippa Hall, holistic, well-being mumpreneur. And Quentin Rayner, just eaten, sleeping and rooting. And we give praise and thanks to you lot, our Dumpty Dummers, source of all, destination of all. And this week's Dumpty Dum tune is from Claire from Clapham with the wonderful Academic Archers. And on this episode, we're lucky enough to hear contributions from Polly Perks, Claire from Clapham, Rob Witherspoon, Jen R. Ambridge Pony Club, Liz from Birmingham, Natalie from Torquay, Helen from Rotherham, Marina with help from Leo Horsmeyer, Not the Cycling Christine, Christine, LP and Anon of Ambridge, plus Tweet of the Week, Facebook Roundup, welcoming new members of our Facebook group, Instagram predictions for next week, and the Dumpty Book Dumb item, this time with author Eve Smith. Let's look back on the Ambridge week through the combined scribblings of both UQ and the secret scribbler. Well, Neil had to do overtime, but not before he'd bought his crisps and pop, argued with Lillian and told Susan off. I ask you to keep quiet, Susan. Oh, it was important. No, I meant the other eight zillion times. Mothering. I've got to to work on Neil, haven't I? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no comment. It's very good. Well done. It's not. <laughs> Mothering Sunday turned out to be the mother of all services. Alan's sideline as a stand-up comedian took a turn for the worse when it turned out he was clueless when it came to dealing with hecklers like Kate. Mind you, she did come out with some corkers about Amy. 
Looks like you've taken love thy neighbour too literally. And without pausing for breath. What are you giving up for Lent, Amy? Sex with married men? Are you pinching your nose there, Philip? It's very good. I won't do that again. Breathing, breathing hell and damnation, Alan ordered her out of St Stephen's. At the knocking shop, Susan refused to serve Lillian anymore. She pointed to a flap of cardboard with I can serve who I wants to, written in Sharpie and pinned up behind the counter. Following the kerfuffle in the kirk, Lillian bumped into slugger Madikani. With not a hint of irony, Kate accused Alan of... Disgusting double standards. And threatened to lodge a formal complaint against the vicar. A distressed Amy had fled to the shop in search of tissues and came away with full marks from Susan. Christopher and you as a couple, you've got my backing a hundred percent. Jazza and Hannah were worried about the future. The pig man rude giving up his milk round and the days when he could party with a gold top. To make matters worse, Tom turned up looking for some bargain meat and suggesting bunny selfies, while Jazza was reduced to Tupperware and a pat lunch to save a few quid. Visitors were queuing up to visit the roaring vicar. Lillian warned him about Kate's imminent complaint and Chris apologised for dragging Alan into his personal life. Ambridge's version of Macbeth's Three Witches gathered outside the BL boardroom for the Barrow vote. The Justin Witch wanted a witch hunt. The Martin Witch wasn't fussed. And the Brian Witch just wanted to play with the piggies. So, which witch won? The one telling porkies, of course. Barrow was saved, but Clarkie got the chop, Jazz's hours were cut, and Glenda was revealed as the mole. Natasha went for a scan and came back with gestational diabetes. To sweeten the pill, Pat and she declared a sugar ban, so no more puddings for Tony, who whined he'd go to Venus for a mouthful of her apple crumble. Oh, matron. Alice and Fallon met up for the first time since Kategate. Alice was fixing a car and we were on tenterhooks for the showdown by the breakdown. You knew, didn't you? Um, ah well, never mind. As a cliffhanger resolution, it was less than stellar. Le roi est mort, Kate intoned as she offered up prayers to the mother goddess for the demise of her pet goldfish. Alan kept her company and over a cuppa they decided they were quite similar really, so no disciplinary hearings after all. Jazza went for a chat with his lads and lasses and told them he wished he could live a pig's life. No bills, no worries and no pat lunches. But will he have no work after the three months is up? Chris and Amy had a grown-up talk and it turned out she's less Nottingham and more Notting Hill. After all, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. I'm quite moved there, Philippa. Wisely, Chris held up his Love Actually board, which read, not ready. At Bridge Farm, they're all doing porridge in solidarity with no sugar nasher. Even marmalade was banned. But it turned out Pat is short for patisserie. Her resolve dissolved after Tony sweet-talked her into a delicious assignation, pursuing puddings on the sly. And as Amy packed her bags, Alice packed in being horrible to her. Forgiveness was her parting gift, along with a hug, but no bottoms were patted. <laughs> you have to get bottoms in again, don't you? Uh, it's, it's the bottom line, isn't it? <laughs> um, outstanding, Susan, I thought there, Philippa, outstanding. Very nasal, Kate, but I could hear it. <laughs> I thought, um, I think there was no difference between me and Neil. 
uh, your Neil was was yeah. um, memorizing, mesmerizing yeah. even. I, I think if Charlotte Martin walks in here, she thinks she'd be in a scene with Neil. She'd have that tabard on so quickly, <laughs> Q. She, she really would. She would. <laughs> anyway, that's your week, folks. And how's your week been? Oh, anyone would think we scripted this, wouldn't they? Well, it's, it's had a theatrical bent, Philippa. Um, mm. uh, Wednesday, we went to the Bridge Theatre in London to see the new David Hare play called Straight Line Crazy, uh, starring uh, Rafe Fiennes. And we were right on the front row, so we were inches from, from Rafe. Mm. Um, and it's all about um, a chap called Robert Moses, who was uh, an, an urban planner in the United States, and he effectively came up with the Express Highway in the US, particularly around New York. And then he met a lot of opposition. And thankfully, places like Greenwich Village and Soho and Washington Square were saved from the bulldozers. Um, but I suppose my real highlight was yesterday because I helped uh, present a, a showcase for a, a new theatre at a college for those with severe learning disabilities. And um, I got to interview uh, a young man called Ryan uh, and his friend and hero, musical theatre hero, uh, Leanne Jones. Uh, she was uh, an Olivia Award winning uh, winner in the, for a portrayal of Tracy in Hairspray in 2008. And they've forged a friendship ever since. And um, they sang a, a song from the show, which he'd always wanted to sing right at the end. So that was lovely uh, mm. to um, meet Ryan and Leanne and see this fantastic new facility at a college called Portland College. And as we know, Philippa, all roads have ultimately lead back to the Archers, don't they, in life? <laughs> because <laughs> Portland College is just outside Mansfield and it was founded in 1949 by the Winifred, the sixth Duchess of Portland. And we all know who the 12th Earl of Portland currently is, don't we? Mr Archer. Mr David Archer. Tim yeah. Bentick is the 12th Earl of Portland. So there we are. An Archer's link right at the Small end. Small world. Yeah, yeah. Can you top that? <laughs> no, in a word, I absolutely can't. Your life always sounds so interesting. It's the way I tell it. <laughs> <laughs> this week, the highlight of my week was uh, Sun Still being ill it was exam week so we were sent the exams to do at home and I had to be as well as dinner lady I had to be exam invigilator and he'd actually revised this time for the exams so my concern was that they would think that he cheated because he'd done so well so my focus was on getting these exam papers scanned in and emailed within seconds of him finishing so there could be no concern about about it and the scanner and I let's just say have fallen out this week every time I would get to like the final page page 16 error that the words I have said over this scanner you keep trying scanning scanning and it's going it's going error oh I just uh, was was if, was the uh, was was the air blue, Philippa? The air was blue. If I'd had a blood pressure monitor on, <laughs> there'd have mm. been a hotline to the to the what, hospital. Why do I think you'd make an excellent exam invigilator? I don't. I've just got this image that you'd be very. I was. Very I was very good. <laughs> That's enough about us. Let's get on to the important bit, which is you lot, our wonderful caller inners. Hello, Ambridge 3962. And first of all, we have Polly Perks on why the week really grew on him. Hello, you two. Polly Perks here. Um, extraordinary week, really. When everybody seems to have grown up, which came as a huge shock. Kate was quite grown up after her ridiculousness with Alan at the church when she spoke with Alan. 
quite grown up really about the death of poor Roy the fish. Um, Chris and Amy obviously had a reasonably grown up conversation in which Chris was actually honest. Um, Amy went a lot too far, really. I mean, considering the briefness of their acquaintanceship, well, not acquaintanceship, but relationship, she wanted the earth and of course got nothing. But then she and Alice made up, which made it much nicer for her to leave home. And that was very grown up, both of them ending with a hug. And even uh, Neil got Susan to stop her feud with Tracy, which was absolutely based on nothing at all anyway. And everyone kept their jobs. So quite an adult week. And uh... Oh, Polly Perk sounded like you got slightly cut off there, but um, what we heard was fantastic. Thanks for calling in again. Always mm. like to hear from you. Yes, a, a very grown-up week. Started with a great hiatus, and then everybody calmed down, <laughs> didn't they? And, and made up, which some people, I think, felt was a bit too neat. It could have been interesting if they'd maintained some of the animosity. I know some people were really looking forward to seeing Alan get disciplined <laughs> for his outburst. You know, Alice made up with Fallon as well, didn't she? She made up with, with, with Amy. She, she was spreading forgiveness like it was going out of, out of fashion. The one that nearly got through the net, you mentioned at the end there, Susan and Tracy making up. Well, of course, the facilitator there was Jazza, wasn't it? Mm. did it to thank Neil for saving his job at Barrow. But uh, again, uh, a, a bit of um, common sense uh, was was there. The Alice and Amy could have been uh, maintained, couldn't it? But I think what it reflected is that Alice's therapy is, is working, isn't it? That she is standing back and, and taking account and taking stock and realising her good fortune in many ways with the people who've been there to support her and and help her yeah i think that's that's an indication that she is definitely making progress uh and can be the bigger person which in the past she hasn't been yes it did seem like we're being presented with you know alice is fully recovered now yes she can she can fix a boiler she can service a car in Mm. an age where you don't really use spanners for servicing a car you need a special computer but she can still service a car she's probably the easter bunny as well i don't know but amy when she ran out of church she instead of running to the vicarage she ran into the shop to buy some tissues. Yeah. That was a bit weird. And she's standing there crying and Susan's holding on to the tissues and Amy's saying, well, can I have the tissues? Because I need them. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm making, it's just too much of a generalisation, but don't most women have tissues in their handbags? I, I thought it was just that's you know, that's, that's a, a definite, isn't there? Well, I think a generalisation, tissues in handbag, but tissues on their person. Yeah, yes, yeah, what I mean. Um, and that's, that's uh, anybody. But, you know, if if you're bawling your eyes out and home is a step away you might go home and you might go uh, to the toilet where there is toilet paper even you don't have to go to a shop and buy tissues I understand why so we could discover that Susan and Neil knew about Mm. Chris and Amy I was waiting for that what um but obviously that that's all happened we missed out of it but yeah I I agree it was a great call Polly sorry you were cut off but yes everyone seems to have taken their aren't we mature tablets this week it was a funny scene between Alan and Alan and Kate wasn't it when he he found a carrying out that ceremony for Roy the goldfish oh yes I've I've been offering up his spirit to the mother goddess um we give praise and thanks source of all destination of all it was quite lyrical actually some of it anyone I would mean, think kerry davis wrote it for her 
yes, he is good, isn't he? We can we can relax when he's he's writing the script. Yes, certainly. But no, great call, Polly Perks. And now we go on to Claire from Clapham, and she wants to pay her respects to Tony. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Um, I just listened to Thursday's episode and. I just feel so sorry for Tony. I mean, like, obviously, he's a bit of a pathetic character. But it's really been brought home to me in this last week or so where, like, suddenly his mum thinks he's okay to help out the rewilding. He's having ideas. He's being asked his opinion about stuff. And he's so unbearably, pathetically grateful for it. It really underlines how much, like, no one's really cared about his opinion before. Um, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And now he's like found finding also this newfound confidence. He's using it to uh, tempt <laughs> tempt Pat with marmalade. Like you know, that's very mediocre ambitions, isn't it? Really. Um, but yeah, it's just it's interesting, isn't it? How like treating Tony with a bit of serious respect changes the sense of how he is um as a good reminder that we should treat everyone with respect and people will blossom under it i think that's a lesson for life um but it's almost yeah it just i I don't know it makes me feel quite sad to hear how how novel this is for him um he's usually such a sort of underdog um so yeah maybe tony will come into his own that would be nice wouldn't it anyway that's it from now keep up the good work Speak to you soon. Bye. Oh, Claire, thank you so much for that. Yes, poor Tony. Um, I agree. It just shows when you treat people with respect, they flourish. But the minute I heard his phrase, my special small bowl, I just thought, oh, oh, Tony, does it have your name on the side and a picture of Paddington Bear at the bottom, which you get to see if you eat all your pudding? Just like, oh, bless you. I bet he's going to go round to Joy straight away to or try bowl, and get some Or a bowl with suckers on the bottom so it doesn't fall off his high chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but bless. I just think he's gone to all this trouble with the rewilding, the pigs, the horses. He's got all these ideas. And then he came back and, oh, actually, the, you know, some of They've been rejected. I know. Yeah. I just worry he's trying to take on too much. He was just going to be a consultant. He's really going for it. And I love that about him. I love to hear happy Tony, but I just yeah. worry where it's where it's going to end. And Crikey, we have had a lesson this week on rewilding, haven't we? How does rewilding make money? Uh, selling a bit of beef on the side, campsite, uh, the subsidies. Yes, we had, we had some lessons this week. Well, as I've always said, you know, Tony is a fully signed up member of my Dell but decent brigade uh and I, I i like tony i know some people find him very dull and boring and mainly um i don't like him when he's being all pathetic um you know he was like a little boy wasn't he oh what about my pudding i want my pudding <laughs> and then he'd hurt his little finger playing cricket as well come on mate it's, what is he 17 now isn't he um so oh, I, I don't like it when he's just pathetic like that but i do like him generally and um, I, I suppose Claire's saying uh, this is about the first time he's ever been shown any real attention by people. Um, mm. Considering how long he's been in the Archers, that's a sad indictment, isn't it? Um, but I, I, I do think there's genuine love between him and Pat. And that was quite touching when he tried to you know, seduce her with the idea of illicit puddings. Um, yeah. Her resolve was pathetic, wasn't it? <laughs> 
<laughs> One mention of a rum barber and she's anybody's. Yeah, the whole world's a rum barber. Oh, yes. It's just so wistful and wonderful. Uh, oh, dear. But no, he could have just said, no, look, I'm off to the bull. You do what you want. That's fine. I respect that. But nobody's coming between me and, and a crumble. So, And the way Pat said, oh, I've, I've got this. I've made this chocolate pudding. And I was just about to put it in the oven. But actually, no, I'm going to go and give it to Helen and me instead. Yes. No, that seems she, quite wrong. She tempted him, didn't she? But why, why did she just cave so quickly when he started whispering sweet puddings in her ear? Because they, if they'd wanted to give up sugar, they'd have done it before. And all this thing with Natasha coming in and then this big build-up, you know, oh, what's wrong? Oh, yeah. well, oh, the, you know, oh, no, just just tell them. Well, this um, gestational diabetes. Yes. yes. I, I shouldn't, we'll, we've got a, we've got a call about that, so I should bide my time. But uh, Right, because yeah, I've got an interesting comment here from somebody about that, so. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. Hold on. (laughs) Thank you, Claire. That was super, as always. And now we go to our Rob, who called on Sunday to deal with the revelations of the last episode of Dum-de-Dum. Good evening, Quentin, Philippa and Dum-de-Dumers all around the world. One thing that I never expected to get from listening to the Dum-de-Dum podcast was the insight into the lives of the presenters. Quentin equates passion with clothes being flung around. In my experience, that means teenage boys are the most passionate animals on the planet. Philippa, on the other hand, comes across as much more restrained. Clothes bolder rather than a flinger, if you will. I mean, we were told that she had a smutty question and then went as far as to warn a man of the world such as Quentin to prepare himself. The question, when it arrived, raised concerns regarding whether Chris had managed to learn anything from all the stallions he'd been working with over the years, but managed to do it without actually asking anything more specific than his behaviour in the bedroom department. I was wondering whether he'd been thrown out of Underwoods for making mattress forts. But then, that could just be me. I... Rob's certainly been listening to our our gibberings, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> I, do, I do equate passion with flinging clothes off, I do, yes. Um, and he's got me right, because I much prefer a nice folded pile of clothes. So you, <laughs> so you will say, let me fold my clothes first, dear, and then I might consider it, yes? Yes. So <laughs> no crisp creases, I'm not in. <laughs> well, there you go, Rob, we've had an insight. You're right. <laughs> All present and correct, yes? I see. Have you made your mind up as to whether Chris is a good lover or not, Philippa? Because you are a bit of a fan, aren't you? No, I, th- I think this week my my idea has just <laughs> been smashed on the rock. Although Alice did say, I can see why you fell for Chris like I did. Yeah, so that's completely against my thought on what on what happened or didn't happen. But All right, so carry on with your thesis then. Well, no, just Rob said, you know, so, uh, what you can expect to get from the podcast. Another thing you can expect to, to get from the podcast is food talk. We've already mentioned puddings somewhat. We need to get on to the pat lunch that Hannah and Jazza were consuming because what crisps were they having? I presume Jag- Jazza's were McCoy crisps. I don't know, but that's my presumption. Hannah, I don't know. Part of me thinks she's um, the pickled onion monster munch crisps or those fish and chip crisps you used to get. Or frazzles, maybe, because working with the pigs, frazzles, I don't know, but... Quentin, have you ever had a slabs packet of crisps? Slabs? No. Yeah, no. slabs are 
you actually know you're eating something that's come from a potato. It's amazing. They're these really thick slices. There's about 300 potatoes gone into one bag. Slight exaggeration. But they're very tasty. So I'd like to think it was that. But it was Neil saying, referring to home time, like they're at school. Who at work says, oh, you'll find out by home time. It's not. I've never come across that in a working environment. Well, I'll look out for slabs. I've never seen them on the shelves. Is it, is it just a, a, a Shropshire thing or what? It is not. No, you can get them on the shop that sells everything that people love to hate, delivered to your door the next day. Um, but you can get them in local delicatessens and all sorts. Right. I, I Have a look. Look out for a slab of that. Mm. How many calories is each slab? Um, it's it's so natural it's healthy it's fiber it's good for you it's part of your vegetables you're fine that's what you tell yourself is it <laughs> yeah don't worry i've got a whole case you know, of excuses i can bring up. you know when you're on a train i was on a train coming back from london and you do notice people it's disgusting really people sitting there scoffing aren't they on the train we all do it but um you do notice... it disgusting if you're hungry well yeah but you're compelled to watch them eat and get all the smells and uh, but some you do notice don't you some people's eating habits and this woman sat next to me with a great big bag of popcorn and she just devoured this bag of popcorn but one by one okay so for about 15 minutes, her hand was darting in and out of this bag. She stuffed single popcorns into her mouth. Who eats popcorn like that? Huh? I just wanted to just pick, I wanted to pick up the bag and just, and just shovel them into her mouth. <laughs> Are you sitting there analysing how people eat their food? This well, I was sitting a... right next to her, so I, I couldn't not see it. It was across the aisle. And I was <laughs> thinking, God's sake, take a handful of the bloody things. I'm just going to... How long is this going to go on for? It was a giant bag of popcorn. I don't know what to say. I do remember the photo of this poor chap on a, a train, it must have been a few years ago now, who'd got an entire Vionetta and was eating his way through it. Good for you, mate. If that's oh. how bad your day's been, you go for it. Yeah. But, um, you, you, you eat popcorn in handfuls, don't you? Well, it depends. If I'm... Well, you just can't... You can't... Don't judge. Yes, you, you're don't a judge. Judge. You're a judger. I've you, never judged a person you never in judge. my life. You never judge. Okay, right. <laughs> anyway, and it was no. it was it was it was not a pretty sight. Is all I'm saying. And uh, I uh, just was willing her to finish this bag. If it was you sitting on the train listening to this, I can only apologise for what uh, for what Quentin said. But I can't apologise for Rob's call because it made me laugh a lot. Thank you, Rob. That was great. And now we go to Witherspoon, who sees a peacekeeping role for Adam. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Philippa Quentin and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Wow. From the bucolic hills of Ambridge to the red carpet of Hollywood, that was one memorable Mother's Day. Could you imagine if Alan, who was very, very angry, had taken a page out of Will Smith's book and slapped Kate for her public comments about his daughter? After all, the Village Church on a Sunday is as close to the Oscar night stage as Ambridge can get. Anyway, Alan and Kate made up in a few days as Kate again showed her newfound mature side. 
There were a bunch of other Ambridge residents who were at each other's throats, such as frenemies Brian and Justin, who reached some sort of uneasy detente, Susan and Tracy, who also made up, and Susan and Lillian, who have not. One minute I was feeling sorry for Susan for being unfairly criticized by her sister, and then I'm thinking, same old judgmental Susan, after she laced into Lillian. Susan has this very deeply embedded insecurity about her family of birth and is ratcheting up the class warfare with the Aldridges now that her precious son has left the clan. But remember who is an Aldridge, sorta kinda, and Alice's half-brother, Susan's new pal, Adam. I wonder how that will play out. Will Adam be a peacemaker between Susan and Alice and Aunt Lillian to boot? Or will he be sucked into the conflict and his unlikely friendship with Susan be sunk in its infancy? What do you think? Briefly, I want to mention the bridge farmers and the topic of gestational diabetes. I was surprised when Pat and Tony said they never heard of it. If called the midwife is historically accurate, it's been screened for since the early 1960s. And since I'm sure Pat and Tony watch Call the Midwife regularly, they would have heard about it on the show. FYI, I'm a big fan of it. Talk to you soon. Oh, thank you, Witherspoon. That that was a great call. Yes, if there'd been a slap, oh, I'd have, you know, obviously the Oscars was <laughs> completely different, but in Ambridge, I'd have loved to have heard a slap. I think that would be wonderful. Well, we, had, yes, one, in- we had one, didn't we, with Jenny and Alice a few months back? Yes, but that, that was a mother's slap, which is different to get out of my church slap. <laughs> Interesting about the class warfare point. Yes, Susan had always wanted to be, you know, with the Aldridges and have them round for supper and saw that as something to aspire to. And now it's all sort of unravelling and, yeah, she is just out to protect her son. I thought it was interesting when she was saying, oh, you're taking the, the money out and you're going to put it in the horses and Lillian didn't listen. And then Neil... Yes, he worded it differently, but he repeated the same sort of statement. And Lillian heard it and responded to it. I thought that's interesting how people perceive the two of them. I would love to hear a discussion between Adam and Susan about what happens with their friendship and about the conflict. We haven't heard from the rest of the family about the impact of Chris and Alice. Well, we haven't yet. Maybe that's a sign that it's going well, to be We still haven't heard from Jenny another week without yes. Jenny. Yes, that's um, true. Well, um, well the, the one thing that wasn't resolved was the spat between Susan and Lillian, so that that has yet to be sorted mm. out, considering everybody else forgave each other. Um, Witherspoon thinks because of Adam's newfound friendship with Susan, he could be the peacemaker between her and Alice. Interesting idea. Um, but I would suggest that he's Susan's become friendlier, even more friendly, with Ian. Mm-hmm. Um, because of course they, they, she's had a couple of scenes with Adam in a shop, and then they all got tipsy, didn't they, that, that night? But it's it's Ian who's continued the friendship. So maybe the uh, back channel is Ian to lean on Adam to help patch things up between Susan and Neil and and Alice. So uh, yes, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of negotiations to go to go on there. It's not going to get patched up though, is it? Because there's going to be the lawyers, the court custody battles. Have, yeah. yeah, it's not going to be a quick yeah. resolution. No. Maybe Adam could patch things up between Susan and Lillian because he gets on very well with Lillian, doesn't he? Mm. 
Hmm. Are we going to talk gestational diabetes? Yes, go on. You've got your fact of the day, haven't you? Well, I have to confess, I, I, I'd never heard of it. Um, but really? As, as Witherspoon pointed out, it's, it's been known for decades, as in Call the Midwife. But um, somebody who knows a lot about it is a good friend of this podcast is Jacqueline Bertho, who posted on Facebook that um, as a former sufferer of gestational diabetes in three out of her four pregnancies, she wants to point out it's, a, it's, it's about carbohydrate as much as sugar that needs mm. to be controlled. Mm. And she says, I feel that this story is going to develop. Interestingly, one effect on the baby is that they grow quite large. My three were all over four kilograms, about nine pounds. And as Natasha is expecting twins, the gestational period could be radically reduced. The start of an interesting storyline? Mm. Or am I overthinking again? Oh, that doesn't matter, Jacqueline. We all overthink on this. Yes, um, that's why we're here. (laughs) A good point. This is somebody who knows exactly what she's talking about. And it's carbohydrate as much as sugar. Now, porridge, Mm. (laughs) that's carbohydrate, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. They're all scoffing porridge in the morning. Um, So maybe she's going to have vast twins. Well, that'll be very interesting because at the end of this month, Quentin, when you're away on your holly bob, we have Natasha coming on. Well, I have Natasha coming on with me, don't, yes. don't I? So, yes. yes, we could raise the, the subject of porridge consumption with her, I'm sure. I'm sure she'll be thrilled to talk about Yes. And, <laughs> and how's your bump coming along, Natasha? Yeah. <laughs> yes. How big are these babies? Are you ready yes. for those pushing yeah. sounds? <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, do you fancy a fag? Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing. I didn't, didn't know she was a smoker. I'd forgotten that. And uh, Well, um, and it, Pat's response. Yeah. You know, she didn't say anything until Natasha said she smoked to to keep the weight down. Yes. And then Pat was like, oh, what? Yeah. You smoked to keep the weight down? Yeah, Not just... nothing before that. Anyway, have some more, more porridge, facts. Natasha. <laughs> no, that's you're encouraging the diabetes. No. But that's what they're having in the morning, porridge, isn't it? Oh, well, yeah, but we're in Ambridge. Remember, yeah. in Ambridge well, land, needs, things are... Pat needs are... to gen up on gestational diabetes. <laughs> she needs to gen up on a lot, but bless her. The scriptwriters oh. need to uh, to uh, tap into uh, Jacqueline's expertise on this anyway. Uh, thank you, Witherspoon. A great call. And we'll have lots more of your calls in a moment, including a call from Jen, our Ambridge Pony Club, about taking Alan to task. Bravo. But if you're thinking, I'd like to record a message and I wonder how to do it, Here's how. Yes, the best and easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to speakpipe.com slash dumpty dum. Don't forget the T in the middle, it's dumpty dum. And you'll also find a link in the show notes. Also have a look at our pinned tweet on the Dumpty Dum Twitter account to find all the details of how to leave us a message. We need your calls in by 12 noon on a Sunday. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now, we need your help. There are three things you can do. First of all, if you haven't already, could you subscribe and give us five stars? It would be really appreciated. Secondly, if you can write a nice review, well, that helps even more. And finally, the third thing is that you could become a Patreon. Patreon is a way of tipping creators and there are different levels with different rewards. If you go to patreon.com and search for Dumpty Dum, we would be thrilled to have your support. And we're delighted to say that we've got the support of Christine. Uh, Mm. So a huge thanks to our new patron, Christine. Yes, thank you so much. 
Um, and from now on, at the start of each month, we're going to say thank you to about a third of our patrons. So over the year, we hopefully have thanked you at least four times for your continued generosity. So we say thank you this month to Audrey Ann, Mick and Sally. Joe, Yvonne and Purple Pumpkin. Michelle, Claire and Patricia. Pamela, Anna and Jacqueline. Chris, Melanie and Dennis. Claire, Kate and Sarah. Martine, Simon and Jan. Magic at Mungo's and Barbara. Oh, thank you all so much. It means so much to have you all behind us rooting for the podcast, just like Jazza's pigs. Back to our calls. And next we have Jen, our Umbridge Pony Club, who called on Monday and wants to have a word about Alan. Greetings, Quentin, Philippa and all in Dumpty Dumland. A beautiful spring morning here in Ireland. And I'm still laughing after last night's episode of The Archers. I don't usually like drama for drama's sake, but Kate was magnificent. Um, absolutely peak Kate. And I would love to be a fly in the wall when she goes in to complain to the bishop about Alan or have a read of her letter. Um, Alan, I'm very sorry for you. Um, you're, you are in so much bother now. And what a missed opportunity. I mean, Alan, as we all know, you know, I'm a very new Christian. I, I'm not terribly good. I, I can't quote chapter and verse of the Bible particularly efi- efficiently yet. But this was absolutely clear-cut stuff. Kate was accusing a woman caught in adultery. Big classic piece here. One of Jesus's great set pieces always quoted. Alan could have been like, bam, there you go. Cast if you can you cast the first stone if you're sinning yourself. Talk about someone who lives in a glass house. I mean, this is textbook stuff. Alan, you need to get into the word more love. You know, it's not a house of love, it's a house of God. Get back to your Bible, read it a bit more closely. Um, everything you need's in there, man, to deal with this situation. This is textbook stuff. So anyway. It will be interesting to see the disciplinary procedures of the Church of England swing into place. The only worrying thing about all of this is, does this mean that Alan gets kicked to the curb and we're all exposed to Shula, which uh, would not be great news for um, evangelical activity in Ambridge. Well, thanks for calling in, Jen. As Philippa said, you did call in early in the week, so no doubt you've been disappointed by the fact that they've all made mm. up and Alan won't actually have to go through a disciplinary procedure. But the silver lining is, of course, that uh, uh, you've been saved from the spectre of Shula taking <laughs> over as the local vicar. So keep with one, take with the other, yeah? Um, and, uh, yes, you described it as Pete Kate. I mean, it, it was magnificent, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I, I did think the scriptwriters must love it when they've got a week of Kate because they must think, oh, I can, I can really let myself go. Because mm. anything she says is plausible in that sense. It's a bit like Bob Mortimer on When I Lie to You. you know? <laughs> anything he says, you think, God, is that true? Is that a lie? <laughs> He's doing my head in. And Kate, she can say anything. Um, she can talk about chakras. She can send prayers to the Mother Goddess or she can come up with great lines like, uh, you know, Looks like you've taken love thy neighbour too literally. So great writing, great acting. That was, that was fun, and it was, as you say, peak Kate. But you're saying, come on, man, get back to the text, and it's always in the text, isn't it? 
And he, d- he did miss that opportunity. She's right. Uh, I mean, Kate of all people. <laughs> preaching virtue to other people <laughs> it's just i mean the, the 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 hypocrisy was just magnificent you almost had to doff your cap <laughs> the fact she just didn't think that um she could anyway be accused of, of the same thing it's a bit like brad the other week when he was um talking in the pub about infidelity and being judgmental about that <laughs> brian yeah whoa hold up there man yeah the oldridges have a blind spot to their own failings don't they but, I mean, Alan preaching, he wasn't mindful of the circumstances and the situation in yeah. Ambridge and all that's happened. And then to get Amy to do the reading, yeah. like, are you out of your mind? That uh, is not the thing to do at all. So, yeah, I think, Kay, yeah, you, you and Jen used the word magnificent. And I, and I think absolutely she just reveled in it and, and mm. good for her. I was a bit worried because now I know there are electric sockets in the vestry. I was a bit worried about what, what else was, was going to happen. Um, get that hairdryer out again. Why do we always have to have coughing in church? Is that a way of telling us that there is actually an audience there, I, I a thought congregation? That was, I thought it was very good, actually, <clears throat> the way they they just uh, blended in that sound effect because that, 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 that is the sound you're always familiar with in church, aren't you? There's it always is, but somebody now you coughing. Think, oh, COVID. Yeah, yeah. Coughs are different these but There's days. always somebody coughing. Um, <laughs> and I, I was actually at the theatre during the week. I, I was conscious of it because it was a matinee and um, before the curtain went up, Emma and I, my wife, were looking around the theatre trying to guess the, the average age. You know, I started looking around briefly. I thought, oh, 55. The more I looked, I thought, oh, maybe 60. Oh. It ended up late 60s anyway. We decided it was the average age. Um, yeah, midweek uh, matinee, it's, it's what you expect. But... And I became very conscious of coughing. Mm. There was an awful lot of coughing from the audience mm. throughout, particularly the second half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. But, um, yeah. There's such a familiar sound in a, in, a, in a church service, isn't it, coughing? But like Jen, I was not impressed with Alan at all. He's, he missed the, the opportunity, as Jen said, and it just... How did he think he could stand up there and say all of that and then get so cross? I mean, it was great to hear it, but, uh, yeah, I just, I wanted the complaint to go. I wanted to hear the bishop, uh, yeah. When he saw the red mist, he was defending his kith and kin, wasn't he? Uh, I I can understand why he... But not in church. Well, he he just lost it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he forgot who he was and where he was, but it was just instinct took over. Yeah, I can understand his 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 paternal protection towards his daughter. I can, and yeah, what Kate was saying was very cruel in front of Amy and others. But uh, he picked the wrong moment. Yes, and he he could have quoted the Bible, as Jen said, about stone throwing and glass houses. Yeah. Yes, Jen. Thanks so much for your call. That was great. And now we go to Liz from Birmingham, who is a first-time caller in her and is a happy bunny but without any honking. Hello, this is Liz from um, Northfield in Birmingham. And I just had to ring in for the first time um, to say hearing Alice speak to Amy tonight was probably the most mature a moving I'd heard from anybody in the arches for a long time. 
she acknowledged that the strength of their relationship and how much Amy had done for her and how Amy had been there for her through thick and thin, through the worst of things. And despite the fact that she had slept with Chris, she was prepared to forgive her. And quite frankly, I thought that was rather wonderful Archers tonight. So... That's all I've got to say for today, but thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye, Liz. Thank you very much. Do call in again. Lovely to hear from you. Yes, uh, Alice did sound much more mature and sort of she's just, she's in the right place. And I do hope that continues for her. I've already said about how, yeah, she can, she's fixing cars and boilers and all sorts. I just hope she's not the Easter Bunny. I have this... Horrible feeling that she is. Please don't um, let that be. Well, I still maintain it's somebody like Lee or Joy, very community-minded, you know, who like to muck around and uh, have fun. Lee it's or Joy. turning into a, a big event, though, this Easter Bunny, isn't it, now, with these selfies and getting a prize? And it's, yeah, it's extraordinary. For Ambridge, it is quite small. It's... Uh, Turning into a big event. Talking of selfies, we spotted that selfie, didn't we, on, on Facebook? Yes, indeed. Jenny Willows put a photo on the Dum De Dum Facebook group uh, showing that she met Russ. Um, he popped in and there's a photo of her looking surprised and him looking... Well, he's got a lovely smile, hasn't he? That's an understatement. Did you read the comments underneath? That was mass swooning from Archer's <laughs> listeners. <laughs> all saying, well, I can see what Lily sees in him. Maybe all is forgiven, yes. <laughs> and Donna's Anthony certainly uh, turned a few heads and I thought Jenny wasn't just didn't look pleased. She looked very pleased. She was <laughs> wide-eyed. <laughs> and, um, yes, I, I think it's going to be hard. That's always the mistake to actually see the real actor's face because we've all got our own picture of, the, of these actors in our minds and there's gorgeous Andonis Anthony making um, hearts flutter and we're all meant to find Russ absolutely repellent. So I wouldn't, if I were you, I wouldn't look at the picture of anybody if you can't cannot bear Russ because it might change your opinion of him. We did get, I did get in touch with Jenny and say, "Come on, Jenny, come on, and tell us about um, about how you bumped into to Russ." Or, uh, and she, but she was too shy. I don't think she, she's shy. A picture didn't make didn't convey that she was shy, but she decided she was too shy this time. Well, maybe each Jenny, their own. pluck up the courage. Now that we've uh, encouraged you, come on next week and tell us about meeting Russ. Yeah, uh, but thank you for putting the photo because it was just lovely to see that. Yeah. It really was. Yeah, but Liz, Liz says um, uh, that scene between Alice and Amy for her was wonderful archers. And uh, it was a touching scene. It was well done. It was well played. It was well written, of course. It feels that we're not going to see Amy for quite a while, doesn't it? I, I felt. But uh, Amy, uh, Alice obviously took stock that really she's only got two friends in the world, hasn't she? And that's Fallon and Amy. And she's decided to make up with them and, and forgive any 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 faults. So I think yeah, she's I've... making that calculation as well. I was glad she didn't hold anything against Fallon for knowing. Uh, thank goodness for that, because that would have been another, like, Tracy and Susan flying off last week. Just a bit pointless, yeah. really. She, she got so, it why Fallon held back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I was glad about that. But I was also glad about the call, Liz, from Birmingham. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, yes. Do call in again. And now we go to Natalie from Torquay on the glories of Glenda. 
Hello, Dantidam. This is Natalie from Turkey. So I'm going to have to remember what I said because this is my fourth try. I keep getting an error. Don't know what's going on. Anyway, I am persevering because really what I want to talk about this week is Justin's textbook boomer comment, you know, white guy in his 60s or 70s commenting on Glenda having a mind of her own and principles and apparently that qualified as being a hysterical woman. She sounds wonderful. I really want to hear from her, really, Glenda. She stands for what just uh, makes a plan, sets the plan in motion, gets to an actual uh, conclusion. Love it. So yeah, more of that, please. Amy also set a plan and uh, put it in motion and uh, got an outcome. Obviously not the one she wanted, but at least she's got a resolution. So fair play. Yeah, I think that uh, is pretty much it. I have a sneaky feeling that actually Chris and Alice might end up, end up uh, back together. So that's my uh, little prediction there anyway. Bye for now. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Philippa, and contact. Oh, Quentin, she was saying your Natalie was saying your name so beautifully, and she got cut off by the two minute max. Sorry I, about I, that. I got the call. There was a call. Yeah. <laughs> Just missing the next ta. time. Next time. But call calls a, a city in France, isn't it? So, um, yeah, almost. Um, a, a call is better than nothing. Thank you, Natalie, and thanks for persevering. Mm. I don't know why you're having trouble, but um. I'm glad you came back to us because, yeah, Glenda, that's a throwaway referenced by Justin, was it last week, saying that he had two people on, on board, on the board, if you like, who mm. uh, agreed with his plans. And Glenda was one of them. He seemed to be going on about, I seem to, I, I remember. And um, a silent character, but uh, with, um, uh, who made a decisive move. I mean, she was the mole, wasn't she? Mm. Uh, who did she leak to? Uh did we ever find out who she leaked? Obviously, got back everybody, to Tony. Everybody, everybody <laughs> saying how bad Justin was. But if she was on Justin's side, why would she leak it? That's what I couldn't work out. Well, I think Justin is a very bad reader of people and situations, anyway. So she maybe went along with him, oh, but she was still, and maybe when him. she went along for the lunch, that's the point when she realised he was yeah. just. Be- I mean, he was. Awful. I was so relieved it didn't go his way because yeah. that would have been obviously terrible for Barrow Farm, but just terrible that Justin would have got his way. And him threatening to sell his shares, it's just like a child saying, oh, if you don't let me play with your toy, you're not my friend anymore. It's that yeah. spiteful sort of bullying. I, I just hate it. Now he's threatening, isn't he, to... He wants to have a word with Martin about another project he's got in mind. So there was speculation on social media that he might be thinking of pulling uh, the plug on his investment in the rewilding project. Oh, I just thought he wants some money into the horsey prancing business. Yeah, Yeah, that's all. Prancingponies.com. And Brian's horror when Martin offered him the chair. (laughs) I know, and mine as well. That's the last thing we want to hear. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> yes, exactly. We don't want that. Thankfully, just Justin turned turned it down. Um, uh, so yeah, well, let's. Uh, let, Glenda uh, played played a blinder silently. So we'd like to hear from mm. Glenda as Natalie would, and she's wondering whether Chris and Alice will ever get back together again. I, I think it's a possibility. I, I think there's some mileage there, Natalie. 
Yeah, uh, she could hear the love, but uh, I think once they're back at the solicitors, that will that will all change again. Did Brian really say, you know, sorry, I'm late. I've been regrouping the Hines. <laughs> yes, he did. What? With Stella. Yes. <laughs> I love these comments that Kerry Davis puts in the script. They're great. Thank you so much for your call, Natalie. It's great to be able to talk about Glenda and uh, all that she managed to achieve. And uh, yes, that was a good scene to hear. And I no doubt we will hear more. But anyway, we need to go on to our last call this week, which is Helen from Rotherham, who has questions about impetuous Amy. Hello, Philippa Quentin and everybody in Dumpton Land. It's Helen from Rotherham here. Um, just ringing, um, mostly to query Amy. I mean, we know she's a qualified midwife, which I think tells us that she is both intelligent and empathic. Um, and yet she suddenly goes in and asks Chris out of the blue, do you love me? Move to Nottingham with me. Like, had she not thought about the fact that Chris is a father, going through a very complicated divorce and that moving to Nottingham would be really tricky for him to be having contact with Martha um, and also it would be moving him away from all of his support network in Ambridge and isolating him there um, and also he's got his own farrier business he's not employed he's self-employed as far as I understand and so just to pack all of that in and hope that what he was going to start a, another farrier business in Nottingham you know he's already established his client base he's got his um forge and all of that um it just seemed very odd so either it was a very strange choice of story arc or whatever or are we being led to believe that amy is having some sort of crisis and that's why she's just moving very quickly from one thing to another is this the end of amy's story was she just brought in for this or is she going to come back and we're going to kind of explore that more also, Pat and Tony, for goodness sake, Natasha is not telling you not to eat sweet things in front of her. Let's not have you, like, pussyfooting around your own house. Um, though I do find it quite nice to hear Natasha and Pat and Tony getting on quite well. That's quite that's quite nice. But, yeah. Anyway, thank you for the podcast. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you, Helen. Thank you so much. This whole Amy declaring love with Chris, mm. I don't know. When do you drop the L-bomb? It just felt like was dropped so ridiculously early and oh she just didn't seem to have a a real idea of what the situation is and and as Helen said he was going to give up everything and be with her in Nottingham I mean the way he said I I don't think I'm in quite the same place of you place as you that's a polite way of saying hell no (laughs) I am not going to Nottingham with you no, thank goodness he was honest because if he'd been all bumbling and trying to sort of keep her happy and not cause yeah. offence, but she just yeah. seems so demanding. And why Why would she say that? And then, you know, with Alice, it's all, oh, I'm off and that's fine. You're only off because you've been given the heave-ho, basically. Otherwise, you'd be taking Chris with you. I thought it was a bit two-faced. And thank goodness Leanne's taking over the dog walking. I mean, Leanne's going to be so busy with these two dogs to walk every week. Whew, that poor girl. Kerry Davis got a bit of a stick on uh, on Twitter about, where's this Leanne come from? We never heard of her. And apparently Leanne works at the stables. Okay. So... Uh, yes, of course. Leanne does, does exist. <laughs> um, thank you, Helen. Uh, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. 
Philippa that um, Amy was so naive. It was ridiculous to go, as you say, to the L word so quickly. I didn't get the impression she was asking Chris to come with her to Nottingham. I didn't get that. I, I got the feeling that if he'd said, yes, I love you too, she wouldn't have gone to Nottingham and she would have stayed in Ambridge to try and make a life with them on the basis that, you know, he has Martha, there's the Alice factor, and he's got his uh, farrier business. So that that was my take uh, on it. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can, I can understand. Yeah. So I don't think she was demanding that from him, but she was demanding too much uh, and it was completely the wrong time to ask for it. And I was relieved that Chris was honest and didn't sort of say, um, yes, I, I, I feel the same way too, or I could feel the same way too. He was more honest. And, yeah. Because um, a lot of the time, if you were Chris, he's trying to search for the right thing to say. <laughs> Badly. Yeah. But do you think he said that because he'd had the chat with Alan and Alan had said, you know, whatever you do, you treat her right? And she must be at the centre of everything. Quite possibly, yes. I think it, it did strike a nerve with Chris and it um, pulled him up. Yeah, I do. Because let's be honest, I mean, he was doing a bit of chasing after their night of bra and tights, wasn't he? He was sort of texting her and wanting to see her and blah, blah, blah. So he was, is keen, but he had the good sense, thank goodness, to realise this is not the time, mate. Um, mm. So, yeah, uh, Amy... Strange behaviour, really. Uh, I've, 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 I've warmed to Amy. I have. I think she's a good soul. Really? Yeah, I think she's a good soul. I do. Um, dull, but a good soul. Um, just caught up in a great big mess of her making. Uh, but uh, you know, she, I, 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 I was. I found her remorse and her, her the, the hell she was going through really genuine and others picked up on that and Fallon mentioned it to to Alice as well it was genuine so I I think she's a a decent sort but um with dollops of dullness I think he popped into the church and found the, a note that she'd written. She'd been practising her signature, you know, Amy Carter, Amy <laughs> Carter, <laughs> Amy <laughs> Carter. And he was like, OK, I'm out of here. But the other point is, I mean, there have been indications months back, haven't they, that she fancied Chris a lot. Mm. Thank you, Helen. So those are the calls. But you can also send us an email if you'd prefer. Yes, if you'd rather send an email, visit the dumptydum.com website and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page. Please keep them brief, up to a maximum of 250 words. And do get your calls and emails in by 12 noon on a Sunday. And remember also, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments. And so we go from our caller in to our email in there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And our first email is from Marina, and she has some questions, Q. Yeah, I know I've just said, can you keep your emails to 250 words? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can add a naught onto this one. I've uh, had to cut some of it. I do apologise. <laughs> it's still very long, but you'll see why, because yes, she yes. has a number of mm. very specific questions, which uh, we have turned to one of the great archivists on uh, the Archers, uh, Leo Horsmeyer, to help us with. So we will read out Better her questions. Us. <laughs> I but thought we, if oh, we try and answer it, it would have been no. absolute nonsense. This is the man who's actually come out with a spreadsheet of all the properties in, in Ambridge, so he, he knows his stuff. So we, we will read out her questions, and the answers will be from Leo, okay? So, subject, bedrooms, bathrooms, and the Ambridge housing situation. Uh, Marina says, I'm a first-time email innerer, although I've been an Archers listener since at least 2011. I wanted to ask about the housing, bedroom and bathroom situation in Ambridge. These questions have been perplexing me, so I wondered if you could help. Thanks, Marina. Question number one. Why are Jim, Alistair and Jazza fighting over a single bathroom when Jim had a new bedroom fitted for Jazza not that long ago? Surely it would have made sense to have added a second bathroom or at least a shower room at the same time. And Leo Horsmeyer kindly replies, as far as we know, only a bedroom was added. This is probably due to not needing extensive planning permission for what is classed as permitted development, where certain home extensions are passed more or less automatically and the plans can actually be submitted on the back of a fag packet. Question number two. As Jazza sleeps in the extension bedroom, how can it be next door to Alistair's bedroom? unless Jim lives in a bungalow and all the bedrooms are on the ground floor. And Leo replies, I do not believe that Green Acres is a bungalow. I do not recall that ever being mentioned. Is it possible that Jazza's room is in the extension, i.e. downstairs, and that the other bedrooms and the small music room are upstairs? Marina's third question is this. I definitely remember that Tom was going to build a house at Bridge Farm for him and Kirsty until she said she didn't want to live there. So what happened to that money and all the money from selling the land to BL to build the houses? If they have all that money, why don't they build another bathroom at Bridge Farm instead of all arguing over what goes on the shelves or build an extension for Natasha and Tom to live in? Where are the twins going to sleep? And Leo responds, Tom made plans when he and Brenda were going to get married to build a house for them at Bridge Farm and then repeated that when he was with Kirsty. Tom tried to negotiate with Justin, which resulted in Justin knocking 10% off the original 1 million offer. Helen wanted to build a cheesemaking school, which ran unsuccessfully for a couple of sessions. I also think that Pat and Tony wanted to pay off their remaining mortgage, which was £825,000 in 2008. And they 
they also have some money put aside for their retirement for when they do actually stop working on the farm itself. I think that Bridge Farm has four bedrooms, so an extension isn't really needed, just an additional bathroom or an ensuite if space can be found. I suspect that there is more to come in this storyline. Perhaps Tom and Natasha trying to force Pat and Tony to move out for their proper retirement and thereby causing ructions with Helen, who doesn't get the farmhouse. We'll have to wait and see. Question number four, where did the Aldridge holiday lets suddenly appear from? I've never heard anyone mention them, not even when Brian and Jenny were desperate for money to pay the fine for the pollution. Why didn't they sell the holiday lets instead of the farmhouse? Leo replies, there have been holiday cottages at home farm since at least 1986, when Jennifer did the designs and almost forgot about the plumbing. Some were then given to the Aldridge children. However, that was all superseded a few years ago with the share idea, Brian and Jenny Darling having three each, Adam and Debbie two each, Kate, Alice and Rory one each. Part of that arrangement included those two cottages being handed back to be owned by the business again. The cottages are on home farm land, so selling them may not be simple. Are they accessed via uh, tracks owned by home farm? Were the conditions in the original planning application such that only family or farm workers may live there permanently? Also, we know that they are small cottages, okay for holiday lets or being lived in by a couple with perhaps one child, so two bedrooms at most. Even selling all three wouldn't have raised anywhere near as much cash as selling the farmhouse with its garden, swimming pool, etc. And Marina's final question is this, why are Brian and Jenny still living in the little rented house? I thought the owner was only away temporarily and I know that the arrangement was extended. But what's happened to the owners and why aren't Brian and Jenny looking for somewhere to live? Why didn't they move into one of the holiday cottages? If they are big enough for Chris and Martha, surely they would have been big enough for Jenny and Brian. And Leo replies, Ralph and Alison Kemp seem not to be in a hurry to return to Ambridge, which is rather convenient for Brian and Jenny Darling. Willow Cottage will be far bigger than any of the holiday cottages, having large rooms as it was originally part of Willow Farm farmhouse. It was split into two and an extension added to accommodate Mike in one part, Willow Cottage, and Roy, Haley, Phoebe and Abby in Willow Farm. All Brian and Jenny Darling have left now, all is the land at home farm itself plus Brian's stake in BL as he sold his Hungarian stuff to pay for the cleanup. I imagine the holiday cottages are very basic. Imagine a three metre long kitchen at the end of the living room with space for a sink, drainer, fridge, cooker and a few cupboards. Upstairs a box room, basic bathroom plus main bedroom of three metres by three metres. We know that Willow Farm has at least one outbuilding as Mike used to have his pick your own fruit business there and it was a full size house at one time for Mike, Vicky and Brenda. Leo, thank you. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm staggered on two fronts that A, Marina has been cogitating about this for so long (laughs) in such a detailed way, and Leo's extraordinary encyclopedia knowledge of all the properties in Ambridge. It's staggering. And I had been wondering what Pat and Tony were doing with the remaining money. I hadn't realised that their mortgage was so big that had to be paid off. So there was very little money left, not the considerable amount I thought. Yes, because a lot of us refer to, what about the million you got from Justin? Well, Mm. you say £826,000 of that was taken up by paying off the mortgage. Mm. It's a huge mortgage, wasn't it? I mean, it's on the... 
farm building with all the costs, I guess, of mm. um, running the organic business. But quite, yes, that, that is a sizable, sizable sum. But Leo Horsmeyer, thank you so much. Yeah. That's I, I just asked him if he would mind helping us. And wow, that is more than I could possibly have asked. Thank you. Extraordinary. Thank you, Leo. Brilliant work, man. Brilliant work. And now we need to go to our second email, which is from Not Cycling Christine, Christine. <laughs> and the subject is twins and Alice and Chris. And, and sorry, again, this one's had to be cut a little bit to fit it in. Twins in the US are about 3.2% of births. So if Ambridge has 500 people, then four sets of twins isn't that unusual. Fraternal twins do tend to run in families. So Kenton and Shula and Freddie and Lily are not that odd, especially as Lizzie is Jill's daughter. And Natasha is an older mother when there is another increase of chances of having twins. Alice and Chris... I'm sorry, but I think you could hear Alice snap when Chris said he should have a final say over all decisions for Martha's future. Chris should really get his own legal and other advice as he is not coping. I actually think big sister Emma could be helpful to him here. If you go to a resolution lawyer, they do not try to ramp up the legal bills, but can step in when the two parties cannot talk or one doesn't respect the other party. I have experience of this and the fact that the more expensive lawyer doesn't always get their own way. My exes cost twice as much as mine. Thank you so much, Christine. That's, yes, not the cycling Christine, but the other Christine. Thank you so much for that information. Yeah, resolution lawyers, there we go. And she's blown your suggestion that so many twins in such a small place. Yes, wrong is, again. <laughs> it's exceptional. <laughs> Philippa, we've been proved wrong. <laughs> um, what a shock, a shock. <laughs> we're a font of all non-wisdom aren't we about the arches here yes. um, yeah she mentioned emma as well and she's been silent for a long time and you'd think she'd be piling in here wouldn't you emma mm. for this storyline mm. so two big absences in the whole this whole dialogue is uh, jenny and emma they need to be brought in soon on both sides they do. But we must move on. Our third email is from LP, I believe. Hello, P&Q. Having listened to the haranguing Kate gave to Alan and Amy, I couldn't help but think it was maybe just a teeny tiny bit hypocritical. Isn't this the woman who had to leave her children home, country, continent and indeed hemisphere because she couldn't stay faithful? Such short memories. Anywho, keep up the excellent work, LP. LP, thank you for your very concise email, for which we're very grateful. Uh, there you go, folks. That's the that's, that's a brilliant <laughs> length. Um, uh, yeah, you're quite right. Uh, she outrageous, wasn't she? Appalling hypocrite. But God, it was my word. It was it was so entertaining. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how she could preach to anybody about this is just phenomenal. But um, we didn't half enjoy it. Yes, why not? And I love the subject for this email, Miss Pot and Miss Kettle. I thought that was yes, that was good. And yeah, she can't even look after a fish, let alone her own children. But as as you say, it didn't stop us from loving no, her uh, trade against. Uh, and against all odds, uh, Kate survived longer than Roy in their in their respective <laughs> tanks. Who who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. But our fourth and final email oh, this week. Another one is there. Is Your there? special friend, yes, it's no. from Anon of Ambridge. And they say, Dear Uncle Quentin and Auntie Philippa, my heating bills are getting quite pricey, so I would like to find some more work. I have heard that there are people leaving Barrow Farm, and I think I would like to work there. Should I ask? 
thank you, Anon of Ambridge. <laughs> what would you say, Q, to that? My first thought is if we put Anon of Ambridge into a tank, if they were a goldfish, <clears throat> how long would they survive? Would would we care care for them enough to make sure they survive? Yeah. I All care right. very much for a non of Ambridge because they wind you up every week. So, yes, <laughs> I'd be getting that fish rice out super quick. <laughs> well, my first reaction, to be honest, Philippa, is, is how carefully does a non listen to the programme? A non, there are no jobs going at Barrow. They're cutting jobs. I think a non lives in Ambridge. I don't think a non is a listener. I think from all that they say, they're in there. Mm-hmm. I think though, yeah. Well, even if I they're there, they, yeah, they should. Anon should be aware. Well, nobody jo- talks to them. Maybe jobs have been cut own. at Barrow. What? Maybe, maybe that they didn't hear all the gossip because nobody talks to well, them. Well, Anon sits in the. In, they, they, yeah, they not eat, being talked they, then, to. They sit all alone in 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 the bull, don't they? <laughs> they must be just tuning into various conversations. Have you ever? driven a lorry because uh, even tom was so helpfully telling jazza that that's where the the jobs are at the moment being a hgv driver and on so mm. jazza didn't want to do it sure. did no and, he didn't want to drive his lads and lasses around for the chop yes and i can understand that but yeah. anon i'm not sure you possess the key skills of uh being a hgv driver but if you do then that might be something and yes i'm and plenty I'm of jobs in the abattoirs as well Yes. Yeah. Yes, so Although, that might be something. I can't see Anon in an abattoir, can you? I uh, could talk to the carcasses. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, uh, Anon, you've got to pay more attention to what's going on in the village, mate, because um, Barrow is not the place to find work at the moment. But but there will be jobs, so do look. We don't want you struggling. Well, it's, their full-time job is sending us emails. So. <laughs> do we need to set up a just giving page? Just giving. <laughs> Joke. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for your calls and emails. We love them so much. Do keep calling in. And now on to Dumpty Book Dumb. You know, I have the Quick Book Reviews podcast. Well, I was interviewing author Eve Smith and we got talking about the archers. I should just warn her computer was heating up at this point. So there is a bit of background noise when she's talking, but uh, bear with us. So Eve Smith, whose latest book is off target, welcome to Dumdy Book Dumb. Thank you. Lovely to be here. I'm very glad to have you on because I loved Off Target. I loved your previous book as well. But let's start with the important bits, the archers. How did you first start listening? Well, many, many years ago when I was a small, I always used to hear it on in the background. My mum always had Radio 4 on and I just always remember the music. So it was a definite feature of my childhood. So when you hear that now, does it bring back those memories? Yeah, I can literally picture our kitchen um, in Lincolnshire and I can see mum, mum in her slippers. And uh, yeah, I totally remember that whole thing. Oh, lovely. So what are the standout moments for you? Well, obviously, um, the Helen and Rob saga, it was, yeah, that was pretty intense. Um, and the whole area around coercive control, that really, yeah, that, that hit a nerve. I thought it was done very well. Well, I think there's something very reassuring um, about it, actually, because, you know, you've got these sort of gentle day-to-day goings-on, um, in a community, a rural community, that in some ways kind of makes you feel feel at least one part of this world isn't um, going to the dogs. 
Um, but the other thing I really like about it is I think I think they do a very good job of sewing in important social and environmental themes. Um, and I like the way that's done without it being too in your face. And that's something I really try to do in my own writing. Well, yes. Can you give us a quick elevator pitch for your book Off Target? Absolutely. So um, Off Target is a thriller set in a near future world where genetic engineering has become the norm for humans, not just crops. And parents are prepared to take incalculable risks to ensure that their babies are perfect. And my main character, Susan, she's been trying for a baby for years. So when she gets pregnant on an impulsive one-night stand, she will do anything to keep her daughter and ensure her husband doesn't find out. (gasps) Dun-dun-dun! We need the Archer's theme tune to start after that. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun! We do. We do. We need a dum dum Yeah, that was great. Eastmith, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Philippa. She's got a sort of a, an Amy sort of storyline going on there, hasn't she? And she's got a Susan in there. But now on to Facebook. And we need to say an do to you to these new members. Lindsay and Sophia. Matt and Hannah. Cindy and Larissa. Esme and Verity. Spencer and Helen. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for the roundup of the goings-on in the dum dum Facebook group with our Sue. Oh, good morning, my lovelies. It's Sue here, Queen Otter on the Twitters. I was thinking this morning, I don't really remember what happened this week, which often happens with a Kerry week. It all feels so much more natural. There was a lot of Kate being Kate in it. And Amy pushed off to the ends of the earth, never to be seen again. Except we know she's gone to Nottingham, so not that far, really. And then I started reading through the posts that people have put off and reminded myself of all the good stuff. My word, Kerry is very good indeed. It seems like other people were very much underwhelmed by the death of Roy and Keith Rawlins. So Roy is the first fish to float. I wonder if Roy the wet fish has taken delivery of his expensive tank yet. Witherspoon said, will Kate fess up to the other Roy? And Glyn Fuller Love said, more importantly, will she fess up to Phoebe? Gillian Corrigan wants Roy, the man, to buy a tank off eBay and discover that Kate, the woman is the seller. And Marianne Pike said what I think many of us think, which is, does anyone care? Stephen Bowden said it will arrive, the tank I'm assuming he means, by Roy and Kirsty when they're both out and the delivery company will leave it outside in the neighbour's house and that evening Brian and Jennifer will call round demanding that Roy gets his tank off their lawn. Bless. Tony Archer did make me laugh this week when he said, the world is our rum barber presumably served up in his small bowl, but Pat isn't playing ball. Claire Hinckley asked, has no one ever heard of sweetener in Ambridge? And Stephen Bowden said, well, you can't make an apple crumble with artificial sweetener. So Claire went off and did a Google search out of curiosity, and it is out there. Stephen Bowden said, it may be, but it's wrong. Then followed that up to Fiona Casper's, I hope that's right, just saying, it's wrong, wrong, wrong. Mary Downswell Lawrence said, a little of what you fancy does you good. Well, maybe not in Amy's case. And Louise Lawton following up with where Kate and Alan got to after finding the Kate-Alan interaction annoying and over the top 
I must confess to being disappointed in the way the story has gone. At the very least, Kate could have reported the matter to the bishop, or even better, she and Alan could have had a duel on the green. And then, being the hypocrite that I am, I would have mooned again. <laughs> that did make me laugh. Witherspoon pointed out, my reaction to the resolution was the opposite. It's nice when we occasionally hear Kate act like a grown-up. Hmm. I don't think Kate's ever been a grown-up. And Kate Cameron said, absolutely, and there is enough anger and discord with the other characters. It's nice to be nice. Pep Duval followed up with, I thought it was nicely done too. You could see where the scene was going, but that didn't detract from the all. I must confess, I thought her dedication to the goddess was nicely handled without a trace of mockery. And on a lighter note, Pam Delau asked, has there ever been a duel in Ambridge? Stephen Bowden said, not for the last 71 years, which is the only period for which we have detailed records. I think that the urge to duel has been sublimated into the fierce competition of the flower and produce show. I do long for the flower and produce show. We did get some farming this week, at least, with Tawny talking about pigs. And I agree with Tracy Brown, who said, please, please get the through pigs, Tony, please. I need these woolly pigs to get out and run wild in Ambridge. I say Mangalitsa for the win. They are so fluffy. Can we have some more farming, please? That's enough from me. If you haven't been to the Facebook page lately, come on in, join over the fun. We love having new people come in and join us and establish people coming back. And we've got lots of new members coming in right now. Please remember to be kind to each other as we're all feeling the stress of the world right now. So play nicely. Stay safe, my lovelies, until the next one. Cheery bye. Thank you, Sue. And to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group, you'd be very welcome to join us there if you haven't done so already. You'll also find us on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. We encourage tweeters to always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A. That's so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Also, that hashtag, the Archers, is your gateway to the hugely enjoyable tweet-along. Also, try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweet. That way, more people get to hear about the podcast. As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBook Review with a three instead of a W. And you'll find me at 13 Minute Man. That's one three minute man. Hello, it's Fry here. No, not that one. And now on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. And before I announce those, Philippa, just to say, great to see all those pictures on social media of the Tweet Along Get Together in London on Friday. You all seem to have a great time. And uh, I just wish I could have been there, but uh, I had other things. Uh, that I had to get to. So, uh, yeah, really enjoyed seeing all those photos of you having a good time there. Um, right, on to the, the actual uh, uh, tweets of the week and we have in bronze place, this one from James at Dares to be Dull. And he said, Natasha's bigger than a size 12. These storylines are beyond belief. So that gets you a bronze, James, and I think that's your first time on the podium. Congratulations. In silver is Eliza Bennett at Eliza Bennett 3. Has nobody beaten that sodding Easter bunny unconscious yet? <laughs> and Julia Lee at Julia Lee Author replied, rabbit stew looking more tasty by the day. And Eliza replied, I agree, and I'm a vegetarian. So, Eliza, you win the silver medal. But uh, out in goal position, and this got to many likes and applauded. This came from uh, Stephen Bowden at Wenlock House, invoking Kate. Source of all, destination of all, 
Sounds like Pat Soup. <laughs> Stephen, that wins you a gold as well. Congratulations to all three of you. You are our tweeters of the week. Bravo. And don't forget, we're on Instagram uh, this week. A very amusing image of Pat and Tony is there for your delight. The account is at Dum Dum. Do follow us there. Thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for our voices and to our podcasting parents, Lucy B. Freeman and Royfield Brown. So what will be revealed next week? Will Tony have completely taken over every element of the rewilding work and be running the whole empire next week? Will the Easter Bunny turn out to be Rob? Oh. Please, oh, please, oh, please. Will the good people of Nottingham start battling up the hatches and locking their doors to avoid having Amy back? And will the Bridge Farm stash of marmalade be found in Tony's train set or Pat's soup dish? It's a complete mystery. Ooh. All will be revealed next week. But for now, it's a thank you for listening and a bye-bye from me. And I'm off to do you-know-what outside the tent. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.